FTD florists, Russell Stover candies. They've done an excellent job of provoking commercial love. They've convinced us, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that it's in our best interest to pay homage to those we love with these tokens. But I have a story this morning for you concerning these tokens. The story starts back in the last century, around the late 1960s. There was a young man who tried to impress a young lady with a heart-shaped box of chocolates. The lad was trying to impress the young lady to like him more. Yet, in his own mind, he still wasn't sure she was the one. But the young lady took the wind out of his sails. She refused the box of chocolates. And she calmly expressed to the young man that she also wasn't sure that he was the right one and that things might be moving a little too quickly. And if she had accepted it, she would have been accepting it under false pretenses. She was being honest with the lad. But the lad, being a bit stubborn, continued to pursue the young lady. For to pursue love is a noble endeavor. And this morning, I want to share a little of the noble intentions of God to pursue the love of his heart. You see, his endeavor to pursue the bride as a bridegroom, as the apple of his eye, and as I think about this, I think of all the cheap disrespectful, ill-intended love that flaunts itself in our world today. It's being pushed by companies that have no idea what love is or how love should be expressed. Their expressions of love stem from the lust of the eye, the desires of a troubled or warped heart or just plain laziness. It's so much easier to give a gift than it is to give of oneself. And if you hear nothing else this morning out of my message, hear this. That in fact God loves us so much that he gave of himself to express that love. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong to express love by giving gifts. But if that's the only way we express it, that love reeks of hypocrisy. And we have one of the biggest Valentine cards ever written. Most of it know it it as our Bible. The Word of God. 
This card is filled with everything that all of those cards displayed in the stores have to offer, plus so much more. This love expresses a love that keeps on giving. Through centuries, through many lifetimes, through difficult times, through times of want and sparseness, through times of bounty, through times of fear, and through times of bravery. As we reflect on that love, let us look at some biblical expressions. Romans 5.8 While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In fact, one of the versions I looked at says that while we were still his enemies, he died for us. We humans fight wars over killing. But God chose to die for us anyways. While we were still his enemy. That expression of love goes beyond a simple death. You see, there are some humane ways to kill people. But God chose one of the most painful, humiliating methods ever devised by men. Did he do it to show how cruel and merciless he could be? No. This is an expression of how great and how deep his love for us is. He was willing to pay a cost that extended to the darkest degrees of human depravity to save us from ourselves. You see, we've done a a dishonor to ourselves. We've cleaned the cross up. We've made it respectable. We've made it into jewelry that we put around our necks. We stand it in our churches with clean white cloth hanging over it. There's no splinters piercing flesh on that. There's no blood splatter dripping off from it. It's neat and clean and tidy. No longer recognized as an instrument of torture and death. A death that many times took days of lingering and suffering, slowly sucking the life out of an individual until they could no longer push themselves up to breathe on their pierced feet until they suffocated. How many Valentine cards do you think Hallmark could sell with that sort of story? I don't think I'd buy one. God's love is not a one-day celebration. As I peruse through the scriptures in preparation, I found at least these 
scriptures. And this is a very minute list to all the indications that God gives us of his love. For from the very beginning in Genesis, God expresses the fact that he intends to walk beside his servants until his purposes are complete. We ask, what are his purposes? His purposes are are that none would perish, that all men would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And at the ascension of Christ, a promise was made and kept that the gift of the Holy Spirit would be given to us, another form of God to walk with us through our daily trials. Fulfillment of a promise in love. Thus leading us all the way to the back of, the, of our Valentine's, Valentine's Day card in Revelation with the prophesation that the return of Christ we will witness a more physical a more physical form of God's love as we talk about the love of God it goes much deeper for the God we serve is of love his very essence is love and it's not the kind that is expressed on the cards or offered in the box of chocolates, or even in the flowers, or even in our vehement profession of love. For our sentiments will fail, the chocolates will spoil, the flowers will wilt, but the love of God endures forever. We have talked about the cost of God's love, And we've talked about how enduring the love of God is. So what does the love of God look like? If you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13 in your Bibles, I'm not, I didn't put it up on the screen because it's a little bit long for me to type. When when you type one finger at a time, it takes a while. But if you'll indulge with me for just a second, it's a short chapter and I want to read it to you. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith, They can move mountains, but have not love. I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. For love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. It's not proud, it's not rude, and it's not self-seeking. It's not not, uh, easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, and it always hopes, and it always perseveres. 
For love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect will disappear. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put my childish ways behind me. For now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. How many times have we heard that read at a wedding? In fact, I personally have read it several times at weddings. How many times have we ignored what we've heard? You see, if we followed these instructions that are given us here and did these things, I'm sure that our divorce rate would drop immensely. I'm sure that our homes would be happier places to be. I'm sure that our communities would be a safer and better place to walk in. I'm almost sure, in fact, I'm very, very, very sure that our churches would be much more effective. When was the last time you heard a news broadcast toting a person who was patient? Or a person that was not rude or self-seeking? When was the last time you heard a story about a person or a group that was not easily angered? Or forgave someone their wrongs? Our media seems to delight in highlighting the evil and rejoicing in the mistakes that people make. Are we to be like that? Isn't it time we stopped listening to what the media totes and take a stand? When do we as a church act to protect those around us from these things instead of listening to the clamor of others about others' faults? When have we stood with a friend and defended them and offered hope and encouragement to persevere? I truly believe that in God's eyes, many of us are clanging cymbals. It's not that we want to be. It's what our world is teaching us. 
Even in my fairly short lifespan, I've witnessed the, the loss of respect, the loss of trust, the loss of self-control. We hear many stories of road rage. We hear stories of people who have been disappointed and taken it out on others with guns and violence. They've kept a record of wrongs and not let them go. You see, God has given us all these attributes of his love, and he says that we should confess our sins and repent, and they will be remembered no more. There's hope in that for all of us. Such hope. His his patience abounds with us, for he reaches out and protects us in our times of trouble. His love perseveres beyond generations. He continues to reach out to us even we go in a different direction. He continues to offer knowledge. He continues to speak to us through prophecies. He continues to love us even as we don't deserve it. And now for the rest of that story that I started with. You see, that young man continued to pursue that young lady and persisted until she said yes. And then on his wedding day, he stood before God and man and professed his undying love to her. Yet at 48 years of marriage, he looks back to see that he had no idea what love was or what he was professing to. In fact, he's still trying to figure it out in his daily life. And many days he fails miserably, yet she continues to be patient with him, well, for most part. And to do, and they do always agree. Or do they always agree? No. Part of overlooking each other's faults is for the greater good of the relationship. And that's just what God does for us. He overlooks our shortcomings so that he can continue to love us. So Cindy, I do love you more than I did the day I professed it. And I'm not perfect. But after 48 years, we're both closer. Many of us getting married fail to hear and absorb those words. We agree to something we don't understand to honor and cherish till death separates us. And in sickness and health and in good times and bad, those are the promises that we make to each other. But more importantly, it's the promise that God has made to each one of us. He walks beside us in good times and bad. 
He walks beside us when we're sick and when we're healthy. What does it take for us to realize that and to to take that into ourselves and stand on that? There's not a couple in my hearing of my voice this morning that haven't worked through making adjustments of putting two lives together. Some fail. Many persevere. But God always perseveres. That's why it's such a good analogy of our relationship with him. Except his is perfect. Perfect love. In all of this, we need to see that God fulfills the perfection of love towards us. Even as we do not, even as we fail, even as we doubt, even as we walk away, he will never leave us nor forsake us. The promise we've made to human individuals, he fulfills every day. For while we were still his enemy, he chose to love us. He chose to stand for us. He chose to walk beside us day in and day out. Lest we not forget that in our own lives. Amen.